A select few survivors are tasked with colonizing and repopulating a new Earth. Strong female characters drive the action in this dystopian post-apocalyptic thriller. Georgia, one of several beautiful genetic exotics, dares to break free from the tightly controlled social structures that forces women like her into a life of sexual slavery and forbids all women to bear and raise their own babies. Enter the Hatchery. Chapter 33, Leap of Faith Georgia held Roxy close until the surrounding area grew sufficiently silent and dark. The two crawled out from the bushes that had sheltered them. Georgia stretched her arms over her head, trying to realign her sore back and strained muscles. Roxy sprung back like a newborn colt. A few wobbles, and she was firmly on her feet. Georgia couldn't help but smile at her daughter's resilience. So, now what? Georgia asked aloud, looking around the surrounding area. What should we do, Rox? Uncle Phil says we should follow the sun, Mommy. Georgia paused. The certainty on Roxy's face made her understand. Arthur had taken advantage of her daughter's superior intellect. She memorized his instructions. Follow the sun? Okay. Georgia looked toward the sun that was setting in the north behind the volcanic ring that formed a geographic separation between the two sectors. She watched the sulfuric smoke rising from the still active volcanoes, wondering exactly how they could possibly get beyond this daunting barrier. She looked down at Roxy. Did Uncle Phil happen to say exactly how we're supposed to follow the sun by any chance? Uh-huh. He said, to take the train that goes round the Smoky Mountain. There's a train? Oh, I see. So, we walk this way? She pointed to the volcano in the distance that cast a looming shadow by blocking the light from Centauri Proxima, New Earth's setting sun. Uh-huh nodded Roxy. Well, okay then. I guess we'd better get going. Georgia decided to trust Roxy's confident instructions. She would not allow herself to consider that all of this could be coming from her daughter's vivid imagination. What choice did she have? The two held hands and started their journey north. After the sun fell below the horizon, they continued to walk in the dark using the silhouette of the volcano as their guide. Morning came, and with it, Georgia felt a bit of relief from the exhausting overnight hike. They finally reached the base of the volcano. She never imagined it would look like this. She assumed this area would be hot, dry, and desolate, but it proved to be exactly opposite. It was a lush tropical rainforest populated by giant ferns and palms that pushed out of the loose basaltic soil. The air was much warmer here than frigid Sector B, but it was every bit as humid. 
By late morning, Georgia could hear a faint rumbling sound that grew gradually louder, and she craned her neck over a huge fern to try to identify the source. Roxy, do you hear that? Roxy was busy weaving a makeshift crown from sections of palm fronds. She looked up when she heard her mother's voice and responded casually. Maybe that's the train. I think you might be right. Georgia walked to a small clearing and climbed on a large mound of ancient volcanic basalt, being careful not to let the sharp crystals cut her legs. I think I see it, she shouted pointing to a snake-like object weaving through the jungle in the distance. Let's go! Without the need for more conversation, mother and daughter continued toward this vision as it gradually came into sharper focus. It was, indeed, the train around the Smoky Mountain that Uncle Phil had told Roxy about. As they approached the track, it was obvious that a freight train was moving toward them, the long trail of rail cars were filled with hearts of palm that were destined for a palm ale distillery, no doubt. Palm ale was the only cash crop of New Earth. It was the sole source of escape for most of its citizenry. The train moved slowly, but it did not come to a stop. Georgia had to make a quick decision to try to jump on one of the cars with Roxy holding on from behind, her arms wrapped around her mother's neck. Georgia got as close as she dared to the track, then backing up a bit, ran up at full speed and jumped, reaching for the thin metal rail that ran along the car. She missed, and the two came crashing down, rolling back against the sharp basaltic gravel. Georgia cursed herself for being so out of shape. Her curvaceous figure may have made her a desirable exotic, but it was a real deficit in this situation. She looked up and seeing that there were only a few cars left before the train careened past them, weighed their options quickly. She looked at Roxy with intensity. Rox, I can't make this jump with you on my back. I'm going to have to hoist you up. Do you think you can grab hold of the rail by yourself? Roxy grew quiet, her little face scrunched in thought. Well, it's like the monkey bars. Yes! Georgia Light. It's exactly like the monkey bars at the park. All you have to do is grab them and hold on tight. Should we try it? Okay, Mommy. Roxy took a deep breath as her mother held her out with both hands. Try as she might, Roxy's short little arms couldn't reach the rails. I'm going to have to throw you up, Rox. It's our only chance. She looked back and saw only six cars moving toward them. Without waiting for Roxy's consent, she counted aloud, one, two, three, and swung her precious child with all her maternal strength up and forward toward the moving train. Little hands reached out and grabbed the rail, little body curled around it, clinging for life. Georgia backed up several feet, then ran at full speed as the last car approached. She let go, reaching up, her body crashed hard against the moving metal, but she leaned against it and managed to wedge her foot against the narrow lip of the bottom edge of the car, just inches above the churning metal that would have sucked her under. She pushed with all her strength, slowly forcing her body up until she could reach the rail. Roxy! She cried, straining to hear Roxy's voice through the hammering clatter of the train. Roxy! Are you, are you okay? 
She carefully eased her way across the car, stepping gingerly on the coupling and grabbing the next rail. She did this five times with the adrenaline field strength and agility of a mother desperate to save her child. When she finally reached the third car, she could see Roxy clinging to the rail. Her legs were flailing, too short to reach the bottom lip of the car rail. She looked like a child flag waving in the wind. Hold on, Rox, I'm coming for you. Georgia propelled herself from car to car until she was close enough to hook her left arm under the rail and pulled her daughter to her with her right. Two little legs wrapped instinctively around her waist. I've got you, I've got you. They rode like this, holding on for dear life as the train wound its way around the volcano. At one point, the tracks elevated as the train passed over an active lava flow. There was no way they could have crossed this on foot. When the train crossed several yards beyond the lava flow, Georgia's arms finally gave out, sending the two crashing down the side of a small ravine. Roxy never let go of her mother. They tumbled together, one big tangle of arms, legs, and flowing hair. It was daylight when Georgia woke up with her back against the smooth rock of the volcano. Roxy was knocked out from exhaustion and trauma. She lay a few feet away from her mother, curled up and sleeping soundly under the canopy of a giant fern. Georgia decided to let Roxy sleep a bit longer before waking her up. She sat quietly beside her, watching her sleep, listening to her breathing, and thinking about how lucky she was to have such a child. It was worth it. All this risk, all this uncertainty, and yes, she decided it was worth Arthur sacrificing his life. A pang of grief engulfed her as she remembered how Arthur had held Roxy up as the barbs dug deep into his abdomen. I won't ever forget what you did for me, Phil. I hope you and Maggie are together again, wherever you are. 